0: If you do have your Bibles with you, I want you to open to 1st John chapter 4. There is a John in the Bible that's part of the Gospels, but then there's a 1st John that's towards the end of it. It's written by the same guy who's the apostle of it, and I just want to take even a moment to acknowledge that we're going to enter into a new sermon series on Sunday mornings for the next 11 or so weeks, kind of through Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, um, where we're going to talk about actually a subject I've never talked about up front in detail. It's not something that always gets talked about, even though it should. Um, we're actually going to take just a little bit of time to dive in to one of the just interesting truths of the Bible, where it talks about Jesus in the flesh, um, and being like Jesus in, it, in itself, and what that means for us. And When I say Jesus in the flesh, that can be an interesting thing because you can take that one in many different ways. What scholars would call that, you don't need to know this, would be being incarnational or incarnate, which is a fancy word for just acknowledging that Jesus took on flesh. Jesus became human for us. And oftentimes when you think about that word flesh, maybe when you've heard it in church, you think about sin, sin. It's like you have this flesh inside of you that causes you. It's your sinful nature. And that's right. I mean, it talks about that, and that's a part of our nature. But when it talks about Jesus taking on flesh, it refers to humanity as well. And that's something that's a defining trait of us because our humanity isn't something to curse. It's something that God actually gave us. And you see that throughout the Bible, even from the very beginning, when he created humans, he created them differently than he did dogs or cats amen that there's something different about us that we were specifically made in god's image not just in how we look but in the way that we relate to one another is a trait of how god is as well and so it talks about that throughout the bible but this morning in light of just what we're going to unpack in the weeks ahead i want us to look at one scripture it's in first john it's in chapter 4 verse 17 Chapter 4, verse 17, and this is what God's Word says. It says, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Can you guys say like Jesus with me? Like Jesus, where it says, this is how the love of God is made complete among us so that we would have confidence on the day of judgment. What that's referring to in in our lives is this, that when we follow the Lord, and when we follow and lay down our lives for him, that there's this love inside of us that's from God. But the more that we pursue him, truly pursue God, because there's a false way to pursue God, but when we truly pursue him, that this love is made complete in us so that when Jesus comes back, which is refers to it on the day of judgment, there's this confidence that you have before God saying that your love had been made complete before me in this life. And that's something to rejoice. And what it says is it's in this specific trait. It says, in this world, you are like Jesus. In a different translation, maybe you read it in the NLT. It says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Overall, it speaks to this defining trait of what it means to truly be a a Christian, and it's this, that. Here's something that's definitive of who you are if you call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's that you are like Christ. That's something even from the very beginning when you talk about Christians, it's the very definition of who they are. That word Christian means little Christ. That wasn't something that was invented by Christians themselves. Go, we just want to be like Christ. But actually, it was defined by their enemies. So who better to define you than the people who oppose you by saying, Here here are people that are just like their follower or by their leader they act like christ the one that we knew so they're like these little Christs running around and that's how the term christian was adopted In fact, it's so vital to our faith and it's an important part of it that they're not like mutually exclusive I had a student a couple years ago at one of the midweeks for junior high It was funny. She came in. Um, it was one of her first times and I really felt an association to how she explained this, because I think a lot of people feel this way or have felt this way. She came in and we were like, oh, so, so what brings you here? Like sitting down in a circle and all that, telling about our week. And she goes, well, I just want to grow closer to God. It was like, dang, that's a good reason to come to, you know, a midweek for a junior hire. And we begin to keep talking and Something gets brought up about being like Christ. And she goes, I would never want to be like Jesus. Isn't that funny? That here's someone who says, I want to be close to God, but I don't want to be like Jesus. As if there are two different paths that you walk in your own life. And sometimes we think that they're two different things or that if you want to grow closer to God, you have this option of being like Christ or not. Some people would even think about being like Christ as this weird thing where, you know, you have like a beard and a robe and a staff and you're walking down the street and it's just kind of freaky and weird, amen? But that's what can even turn off a lot of people. It's like, I don't want to be like Christ because then that's just weird. But let me ask you something. What is being like Christ was something that you were created to be even as you're in the place of life you were in right now? A good question I asked myself when the Lord got a hold of my heart in college. I was on the PSU tennis team. There were no other believers on my team. So I'm in a position where, you know, my roommates are consistently doing drugs, drinking. My roommate is constantly having sex with anything that breathes, you know. And I'm in this place of like, what do I do? I was in this place of like, Lord, I, I can't function here. And so I thought in my head that I should, you know what, I'm going to transfer to a Christian school because that's what God wants me to do right now. Now, that's not to say I was in a place of being tempted beyond where I was, but I remember the Lord immediately saying, no, I've actually placed you in such a perfect place to witness to your team and to show Jesus to your team. You rely on me, you rely on the church, and go out and minister to them. And I'll tell you what, in those next two years, I learned more about Christ's love for me and for others from ministering in that environment. It was truly, I'll say that was one of the times in my life where I felt like I was truly, truly ministering and closest to God. Which is is an awesome thing to say, to be surrounded by that and to minister in that because I understood that I was created for that. And I hope that you understand that it's the same thing for you, that you guys were made to be like Christ wherever you're placed. Being like Jesus is something that you get to ask yourself. In fact, I would even just say it's like a barometer for your own faith. And so how many of you ask this question every day? How am I doing with God? How many of you ask that question or have been asked that question by a leader or someone? And whenever I ask people that question, it's kind of funny because they're like, well, Pastor Jeff... I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to church, and I'm doing this, and I went to this camp and this retreat. And all those things are good, but they're all a means to something. And so it's more than just saying, you go to church, oh, you the man, you the man. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is that a good question might be this. Are you looking like Jesus in this area of your life? Are you looking more or less like Christ in the way that you talk to your parents? Are you looking more or less like Christ in the school that you attend right now? Are you treating the opposite gender with the kind of respect that Jesus would himself? Those are the kind of questions you get to ask and even get to measure and see, well, this is how I'm doing with the Lord right now. It's a good way to measure how you're doing with your own faith and where you need to go. That's the question I would ask myself is, well, If Jesus were a college tennis player at PSU, living in these dorms, what would he be like? I hope he'd be like me. And the question I want to ask you is this. If Jesus was a freshman at your school, in your life with your family, what would he look like? Jesus was a senior at your school, on your team that you're on, part of the club that you're in, with your life, what would he look like? And you want to know what Jesus would say? He says, that's you. That's why I created you the way I made you. You know, being like Jesus is more recognizing who you are, not just necessarily the things that you do. Cuz how many can I just ask you guys a question? You can be honest. How many of you have ever heard the term that you're supposed to be like Jesus? Don't be shy. Yeah, a lot of people in the room have heard this. This is a term that's often used and rightfully so. It's a big part of who you are, but sometimes, sometimes everybody say sometimes, sometimes You hear that and you think, well, I need to do this, I need to do this, and I need to do this in order to be Christ-like, or I need to look a certain way in order to be like Christ, or, you know, you like, oh, I got it. Jesus was perfect, so I need to be perfect. Mind blown. Game over. But actually, it's funny because Jesus came to earth because you were not perfect, So that's the one way that we're not like Christ. But in the other ways, in our humility, in our love, in the way that we serve, we are like Christ. And you know, being like Jesus is less about than just looking the part. And it's more recognizing that Christ dwells within you. Did you know that if you call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that it says that God literally dwells within you? And people recognize that about you and they see that about your own life. And when you grow closer to God, God is made more evident in your life. People will recognize that. Every time a person recognizes and you call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're saying that you belong to Christ. And the world will look at you and say, well, if you're a Christian, you must represent Christ. And then that's when they begin to watch your life. That's something that we bear. That's not a cross to bear. That's an anointing and a blessing that we get to walk on all over in our lives. Did you know that? That all of you have this blessing and this beautiful responsibility upon you to be like Christ in what you do? Once again, it's not about how perfect you are, but it's in the way that you carry yourself that you can show Christ or not. In fact, it's bigger than just doing the right things because did you know that you can go to church? Your entire life and not be like Jesus? Did you know that you can memorize the scriptures and do all the right things and not be like Jesus in the process? In fact, I would say this. Jesus would speak and interact with people who were like that, and he would call them Pharisees. They were people who did all of the right things. They checked off all of the religious boxes of their day, and yet it was more about them and them looking good to the world rather than showing who God was to the people around them. We're not called to be Pharisees. We're called to be like Christ, amen? It's a big part of who we are. And understanding that for yourself is so vital to your faith. It's about being present in the world and loving the world the same way that Jesus did with the same power that he did. And I think coming up here and saying that you need to be like Christ automatically means we need to talk about how was Christ like that to the world around us. Not just about the things that we do, but if we're going to be like Christ, we should probably talk about how Christ was to the world and how important it was taking on flesh. So I want to tell you guys this. I want to tell you a true story about God. There was a day in this world that still exists around the world today in people's lives where God is this distant deity They look at the world around them and they acknowledge that there is some form of creator around us. They look at the world and they say, there is absolutely no way this was all by chance. There is someone who's in charge of this. In fact, something interesting about America, because I think America gets a lot of, you know, criticism for being like, oh, it's so ungodly. There are no Christians or any beliefs there. Did you know that nine out of 10 Americans believe there's some form of a creator in the world? They may be confused about understanding that it's Jesus, but there's a belief and there's a, there's a seeking that's happening there, whether they have found it or not. So in this world, think about this for a minute. There was a day in which you could acknowledge that God existed, but, I mean, trying to understand God without any information is a pretty tough thing, amen? It's hard enough understanding yourselves, amen? Amen? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? It's hard enough to understand it. So you look at this world around you and you go, I don't understand. So what you do, what, what starts to happen is this, because you can't understand the information you start to say, well, I'm going to assume God's a certain way like this, or I'm going to make God kind of the way that I want to make him because that suits me. And that means I'm obedient because God's like me. And so what does God do in response to that? Here is the son of God in heaven glorified and his solution was this he took on flesh and he came down to this world and he became human what are we we're human beings you know now jesus became a human god wanted us to be able to relate to him he not only came down from heaven to save us but did you know that God came down from heaven to reveal what He was like? And what better way for God to reveal what He's like than in human form, amen? be tough to understand God if He came down as a cat, amen? amen. came down as a human being. He took the form of a human being. He spoke like a human being. He interacted and built friendships like a human being. He was truly human, and He was truly God. Did you know... That in the Bible, before the Son of God came to earth, that he wasn't referred to as Jesus. That was a name given by an angel. He was referred to as the Son of God and the Messiah. Which is interesting that Jesus would take an earthly name so that we could just relate to him. Isn't that crazy? And in fact, he's called the Son of God. But when you read through the Bible, you read that Jesus refers to himself more often than not as the son of man. Now that's not him saying, I'm not the son of God. That's not what he's saying. What he said is this, I am the son of God, but I'm also the son of a human being. And you guys know me and you can relate to me. That's a profound thing. And I want you guys to think about this because one thing that I personally believe is that it's easier to not believe in God than to believe in him. Because if you don't believe that there's a God out there that you can relate to, then it can be easy to live your own life the way you want to without any consequences or any accountability. But if you acknowledge that Jesus exists, that means you have to take the fullness of him. You have to take everything that he said into consideration. You have to take into consideration Jesus' heart. You have to take into consideration that Jesus wants us to live a certain way, and he doesn't want us to live certain ways as well for our own good. So it's a way to relate to him. In fact, the Bible would say that Jesus becoming human in Hebrews 4, it says that we can, God can relate to us because God has now felt what we have felt. And that's one way God can relate to us. But did you know the opposite's true? You can relate to God now. He took on human form and now you can fully relate to him in the same way. And one of those ways is this that we're going to unpack is that in the same way, that Jesus took the ultimate missions trip, amen, from heaven to earth and humbled himself and served himself and died for us so that we could be saved in him. In the same way, we are called to this world to lay down our lives, to be present in it and to lead people to Jesus in the same way. Being like Jesus is putting on flesh first and foremost. Like Jesus going into this world So we are called and made to do so. You were made to go out. You were made to love this world the way that he did. You're called to sacrifice your life. And you're called to lead people to salvation the way that Jesus did. Did you know that about yourself? Can we get an amen? Do you know that God put that on your life? And that God has orchestrated your life in such a way that you get to reveal Jesus and bring people to salvation through how you live. Some of you don't think you're worthy of that. And that's one of the most interesting things about when I get the opportunity to share with people that they're like Jesus. They're like, well, Pastor Jeff, you know, I don't really go to church. I don't really know much about the Bible. Or, Pastor Jeff, I struggle with this addiction in my life. Or, Pastor Jeff, I have a rage issue. And I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't rage the way that I did. So I can't do that. But did you know that being like Christ isn't about an achievement? It's not a level that you reach in your faith. Like, now I can be like Christ. But being like Jesus is a mindset that you get to live in every day of your life, no matter where you find yourself in your faith. In fact, it's interesting because Jesus, when speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper, the night before he was crucified, and I want you to think about this, the night before those same disciples would desert him, They would fail him, and Jesus would show grace to them. He would say this, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. He's praying to the Father, and he he says this. I don't want you guys to miss this. He says, Father in heaven, in the same way you sent me from heaven to earth, the same way you gave me flesh, the same way you sent me to die for this world and to live for it, That is the same way that Jesus sends every single one of us into our daily lives. We die for the world, but we live for it too. Amen? This world, say what you want about it, Jesus loves it, and we get to love it the same way. A powerful prayer is to say, God, give me your heart for the people around me. Because God has called us to this place to love it and to lay down our lives for it. And I would even say as far as this is so vital to your faith If you're in a place of wondering what is next in your faith, this is it. It's not just receiving from God your whole life, but it's giving the same way that he did. In fact, receiving from God is a sign that he wants to give something through you. Amen? You know, one of the things is that you could go to church your whole life. You could come in here. You can listen to the sermons. And this is great, might I remind you. We are called to receive from the Lord our entire lives and be a part of this. But if you think, you know, I'm just going to receive and I'm not going to do anything beyond this, you're going to miss out on the whole purpose of your life and what God wants to do through you. Because God has called us to the world to love in that same thing that we receive. Every one of you in this room, did you know that? You're not a bench warmer in here. How many of you have ever played a sport in this room and you, like, never started? You never played? You know what I mean? I played basketball. Good God, help us. (laughs) I played basketball in third grade, and it was like a church league. I had never played basketball before. I was like terrible. I couldn't dribble the ball. I was a baseball player, and so my parents made me because they knew someone in the league. And like the coaches were really nice. They're like, you know what? Like, we need someone to take care of the bench and to hold the towels for everyone else, and you're the guy for it. And it's like, ah, so game after game after game throughout the winter and the spring, I scored one point all year on a free throw (laughs) on the man, you know? But eventually when you're sitting there, and maybe you've kind of been in the same situation where you're just sitting there and not doing anything and watching people work, you go, I'm not really needed here. Maybe they don't really care about me too much as a player because I'm sure they're looking for someone better and they would rather have someone better in my spot than me. How many of you have ever been in a place like that? Now, let me ask you something. How many of you have been in another place where you were a key part of the success of a certain team? And it was like the coaches were working with you. They were consistently pouring out into you and you were receiving it. You weren't just like, ha, I'm the favorite on the team, but you were receiving it because you wanted to win and you wanted to move forward. And you said, I know that my part on this team is a key part of the whole team winning. Did you know you're a key part in God's kingdom? You're not a bench warmer in the Lord's eyes. And when it comes to calling others, it can be easy to look at other people and go, "Yeah, well, look how much better they are. God's going to use them in major ways, and I'll hold his towel. I'll hold her towel. But God has called you to get in and to use you, and actually God needs you. That's why He's placed you in the certain place in your lives that He's called you to do. Did you know that you can reach people with the gospel that I never could as a pastor? Did you know that you can reach people in your lives that your leaders and your parents could never reach because of the favor, because of the doors that have been open in your lives? I've been denied from schools before, but here are you in a place where you get to interact with students on a daily basis. That's not chance. That's God placing you in a place where you get to reveal the love of Jesus in the lives of people. And you know what? I would just say this as much. If you're someone in this room and you think, well, I, I haven't really seen Jesus work in my life, or I don't really even know, this is something. To be like Jesus, you'll begin to see Jesus work among you. In fact, what the Bible would even say is, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. And I want us to pause there, because to be holy means to be like God. And then it says this. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without this holiness, without this pursuit, without being like Christ, no one's going to see God around us. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been in a place where I've looked at a community of people or I've looked at a group of people and it's like, man, God is just not here. Where are you, God? And God just gently says, whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready, I'll show myself if you're willing See, what if God wanted to show himself through you first and through your faithful step first? I had a couple years ago, how many of you guys went to dunes for winter camp? Maybe you were like in junior high or whatever. I'm sorry, you know. But I remember I was a counselor there for some high school dudes. um, And one of the things that had happened to me, I was still in college and I had had a, uh, a wrist injury from tennis that had caused just major tendonitis and a tear that was in my wrist and so One of the things happened even just like carrying boxes It just hurt so bad and I had to wear like this cast and tape it up And every time I would play tennis I have to use like a half roll of athletic tape Just to get it sturdy enough and I had people pray for it here and there and stuff and Nothing really ever seemed to happen It only seemed to get worse and I thought I was going to either have surgery or just be something that would just kind of Remain for the rest of my life And so I remember we were there at winter camp, and my dudes, the high school dudes that were in my cabin, all of a sudden felt this prompting to pray for me. And they said, we want to pray for your wrist, that it gets healed right now. And so they lay their hands on my wrist, they pray over me, and all of a sudden I just feel this warmth come over my wrist. It was, like, extremely hot. It was like I stuck my hand, like, in an oven or a microwave. It just got really hot, and all of a sudden... It felt better and I remember just thinking in the moment. Well, maybe I'm just over exaggerating How many of you that's happened where like something's happened like a prophetic word or a miracle Immediately it's like the inner skeptic comes out of you like well Maybe i'm just a little emotional But never since that day have I ever had to tape my wrist for anything including sports Truly a miracle of god, but I want you to think about this for one minute about those dudes for a minute because it was in their power to step out and go all right god we're going to pray for this person and we're going to be like jesus to him and god worked among them so what if this would have happened what if because they were like no nah, we don't want to pray what if it doesn't happen you know the whole 10 excuses that come when god prompts us in something and they just decided to not pray and they turn back into worship and they go lord we want to see you work God, we want to see you work. What if seeing God work amongst us was a matter of faith in our own hands, not just waiting back and waiting for God to do something? What if God wanted to take our inch and show us a mile? The other side of it that I love in the first verse when it talks about love being made complete is this. Imagine after that miracle, imagine praying for someone to get healed in the power of the Holy Spirit and seeing it right there. Imagine if someone walked up to those dudes and said, God doesn't exist. Oh yeah, you have all those questions? Oh yeah, they're all doubts. Could you imagine they'd be like, no, I'm pretty sure God exists because his Bible says that he heals people if you pray and that just happened. And even with doubts and questions, you would still have the assurance of a God that loves you so much. And so when you put yourself out there, God affirms you in ways that you desperately wanted in the first place. And so I'm going to call up Lane and the worship team. I'm actually going to ask us to do something. I'm going to ask you guys to put down your Bibles, your phones, your whatevers. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up and come forward. We're going to close together in worship, but I just want us to come forward first before we respond. And there's something that I want us to do. I hope this is a daily practice of yours. If it's not, I would encourage you guys to do this daily for a minute because it puts into perspective the ways that God wants to use you. And so as you guys are coming forward, I want you just right where you're at to close your eyes. Just for a minute. I want you to close your eyes. And I just want to walk you through something. Right where you're at, I want you to close your eyes. Don't look at your neighbors or anything like that. But I want you just to imagine something for a minute. I want you to imagine the friends that are around you in your life. I want you to put yourself in their shoes for a minute. Maybe it's putting yourself in the shoes of your siblings, of your parents, friends at school. Maybe it's those friends you can't stand. Maybe they're not friends. Maybe they're people that are really causing you a lot of annoyance and hurt in your own heart. I just want you to, I want you to think about this for a minute. Imagine being them for a minute. I want you to think about that. They acknowledge that there's a God that's far off, but they have no idea what God is like. They've never heard of Jesus, or maybe they have a context of Jesus where they've heard some things, but maybe they've heard the wrong things. Maybe they had a friend who was a Christian in their lives that didn't show Jesus, and so they think Jesus is something bad or not what he says he is or false. Maybe they've learned about Jesus through something that, like social media or through school. And so they have this kind of knowledge-based idea of who God is. And they say, oh, this is what God is. He's just a religion. And then you come into their life as a friend. And they know you're a Christian. And by the words that you say, by the way that you love them, by the way that you lay down your life, By your generosity with everything that you have in your life, whether it's your time, whether it's your money, whether it's your your grace, your forgiveness, your ability to say, I'm sorry. You love them in their brokenness and all. And they turn to you and they say, you know what? I think God does love me. And you want to know why? Because you're a Christian and you love me. So I know that God loves me because you represent him and you love me like you say he does what if you were called to that in your life what if God used you to bring your friends to Jesus did you know that he wants to do that right now with you guys everyone in this room believe that you have that power you have that place and authority with people in your life to begin building those relationships and reaching out what if by your life and testimony people saw and came to believe in God What if through your effort you saw God do a miracle through you? Do you believe that God would want to work through your faithful prayers? He does. And that's the truth of it. But it's something to accept over yourself that when you're a Christian that you're like Christ. And so while we're praying with eyes closed, I'm going to offer a couple of responses. The first one is this. Maybe you're here and you have seen growing closer to God and being like Jesus as two different things. Maybe you're someone in this room because you look at your life and your brokenness and your humanity and you say, you try to hide from your friends that you're a Christian because you're like, if they knew, oh man, they would, they would think I'm such a hypocrite. But what if being a hypocrite wasn't just falling short? Being a hypocrite is pretending that you're perfect. What if having integrity meant that you were honest about your weakness and humble about it? That's what makes you Christ-like. And it starts with accepting that over your lives. You may not think you're like Christ, but did you know that people look at you and respect you because of that name that's on you? That's true. You're more respected than you think in this room. And it starts with accepting that over your life. Maybe you look at the brokenness of your own life, the ways that you've screwed up, the ways you've been disciplined. And you say, nah, I could never be like Christ. Well, I'm far off from it. But did you know that there are people in your schools and in your community and in your families that respect you because of that name? You get to embrace it by the grace of God. You didn't earn it, but God is putting it in your hands right now. And take it. And If you're here, maybe you're in a place where you don't know the fullness of Jesus. What the word says is that we love others with the same love that Jesus shows us, that you can't go out and be like Jesus and love others if you don't know how much he loves you. And so if you're here and you need to receive the love of Jesus, maybe you're a Christian, but you've been denying God an opportunity to forgive you because we can't forgive ourselves. God can forgive us. And you need to allow that over you. Maybe that's the first time you've made that decision that, God, I want to be forgiven. I want to pray with you right now. Jesus we thank you for who you are God we thank you for your love for us we thank you for coming down from heaven down to earth to save us to take on flesh for us and God we just receive the truth and the calling over our lives that you're sending us out into this world the same way the father sent you God we receive that God we receive that you want to bring us to places that we haven't been before God, you want to bring us into relationships and friendships and salvation that we haven't seen. And God, you're going to show yourself in us, but also through us, if we're willing. And we're willing, Lord. And so we love you, and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, that we worship. Everyone said? Amen. We're going to worship together, guys. I just encourage you to dwell on just that.